0: Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. In an upbeat first half of the podcast, we are going to talk quick singles. That's Pollard's Six Sixes, South Africans' New Captains, and Baldy's Love Letter to Cameron Green. We're then going to talk all things Australia New Zealand in the T20s, finishing up um, down in Wellington today. We'll touch upon New Zealand and England women before we get on to the England-India series, and I cry into my spates, low-carbohydrate lager. That's all coming up on the Top Order Podcast um, in just a few short moments see you soon guys before we get into post postmortems um, English cricket in morning which might come a little bit later in the podcast let's look at some quick singles for the week and um, I suppose um, some ultimate singles were actually not singles they were sixes and Pollard hit six of them a hat trick in the over before as well what a topsy-turvy game of cricket that was
1: Yes, no, it's been a good series so far, so they have t- two games down, uh, one apiece, one apiece. Uh, yeah, in that first game it was very, very much uh, Jekyll and Hyde from, from both teams almost. Um, so you had and uh, jaya who's bowling really well actually, he took that hat-trick uh, in the second over, and then in the third over, Kieran Kieron Pollard came in and uh, hit six sixes off his third over.
2: You're feeling pretty good about yourself when you take a hat-trick, aren't you? And then <laughs> that happens to you. Wasn't it? It was seven sixes in a row off his bowling in the end, I think.
1: I'm not sure. I didn't. I don't remember that from the second over. But no, it was It was something to watch and they weren't small sixes either. They were massive.
2: I saw him saying that, you know, when he when he got to that fifth six, he, he'd hit the fifth six and he thought, look, this is just something that you don't get the opportunity to do and he saw him coming around the wicket and he just thought, yeah, I'm going for it's this. It's got to go. It's got to go, but... It's just awesome, isn't it? I think you know what. There's two other, three other guys, is it? There's Yuvraj, yeah, Yuvraj, Mitchell Ga- Gibbs, yeah. There's, and Ga- I think and there's,
0: Gary Sabres has done it in a county championship yeah, match. Not, not many, not many at the
2: international level. So very, very impressive yeah. and a cool thing to do. And I guess just shows what um, West, you know, what danger the West Indies are as a T20 outfit.
3: Yeah, that was going to be my my pickup from so far in the series. Universe Boss batting at three. Evan Lewis and Lendl Simmons at the top of the order for the West Indies, a completely different looking outfit than the one that we saw here in New Zealand that were outclassed by New Zealand. And looking ahead to the T20 World Cup in India... When you've got a lineup that includes Pollard batting at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, <laughs> incredibly, um, you've got Dwayne Bravo in there, you've got Jason Holder, you've got a couple of guys to come back into that side as well, potentially in Shimron Hetmeyer and a couple of other fast bowlers as Trey well. Trey Russ maybe. Yeah, potentially as well. It looks like a really, really, really dangerous side looking forward eight months' time.
0: And he just comes across as a top geezer as well. I just was saying to you boys, I'm re-watching the Mumbai Indians Netflix documentary and Pollard, I'm actually at the stage where he gets dropped, I think, after he has a little bit of a lean run, but... Just just the way he's around the group, um, you know, gives that sense of calm. And certainly, they're a, yeah, they're a genuine contender, I think, for that T Twenty World Cup because they've got some box office yep. players and some yep. guys that have played a lot of franchise cricket. And yep. I think that's going to be really, really key in India.
1: I find it really interesting as well. Pollard did come out and said that he doesn't think that the younger players have stepped up in their absence. Mm. They've gone with this old guard and. Um, yeah, I, I guess the, the one person I did want to point out in the West Indian side, and I think you'll like him, Stu, if you get to watch him, his name's Kevin Sinclair. Mm. His 21-year-old made his debut. Uh, he bowls a really good length for 2020 cricket, and uh, he's he's been a tad expensive. He's he's bowled that boundary ball in, in both both of the 2020s so far, but he looks really good.
0: South Africa news over there. So Dean Elgar being named as the test captain and Temba Bavuma getting the one-day international job. We spoke to Fedoz Munda, I think, um, we talked about those two names on that podcast. Is that really the only two contenders? Some pressure on both of their shoulders, I suppose. Elgar to stay at the top of the test batting lineup and Bavuma to score some runs in the, the ODIs as well.
3: I think both of those guys will potentially benefit from having the extra responsibility of the captaincy. Um, I think Bavuma, you know, for the for the um, Black South Africans, could be a follow me kind of guy. He might be a, an inspirational kind of leader. Whereas Elgar, you feel like he's that kind of steady rock kind of, not quite Alistair Cook level, but Alistair Cook style player for, for South Africa. So uh, two good selections in my mind moving forward for them. Uh, elite comparisons notwithstanding.
2: Well, Elgar. I mean, all I was going to say about Algar is really that there's so few players in that South African Test lineup that you can say are, are locked in, are locked in and, yeah. and he's there because he's just of his performances yeah. the last couple of years. So, fair enough.
1: Graham Smith did say about Algar, he said that he knew of Dean Algar's aspirations to want to go on that leadership. So, mm. who better to learn from them than Graham Smith, I guess. Yep. I did want to touch on Temba Bavuma and just get a little bit of your feeling around the table. So, he's obviously got quite a standing in the. Um, in the first class scene, in the list A scene in, Australia, in South Africa, won a few trophies. There is the elephant in the room that he hasn't really succeeded with the bat and he's only played a handful of one-day internationals. Mm. What do you guys think? How is how is he going to go as a, as a leader? So he's got three white ball World Cups in the next two years.
0: Yeah, it's a difficult one. 30 years of age. So, you know, he's not a, he's not a super young guy. You know, he's been around a little while, 40-odd. Test matches, but as you say, the sort of ODI record um, for him relatively, you know, relatively limited, just six games. But average is fifty five. Pretty, yeah, pretty handy average across those games. You've also probably got to think that they're thinking succession planning as well. So, um, Dean Algar, you know, how long is he going to be around that Test side that we've talked about the dearth of leadership opportunities or leadership options that they've got as a nation. So maybe it is that. Go and captain that ODI side. You know, learn your straps. And to an, to a certain extent, from a tactical perspective, you're probably going to learn a little bit quicker in limited over cricket because A, you play more. B, the game moves in a slightly different way. Mm. Um, and, and look, maybe that just gives him a little bit of a uh, little bit of a pressure off in terms of getting his Test match batting form where it needs to be as well. Because uh, average of 32 is probably not quite good enough to be um, skipper of the side batting in the top six.
3: He's got a good average in first class cricket at the in the white ball format, 31.9, and list day. 32 in T20s domestically, so he does have that pedigree for, for the white ball stuff. We might see South Africa blood a few young players in that white ball side as well and try and bring him through as a senior player in the white ball format and try and blood some young players... Um, the, you know, the bowlers or batters and have him be their leader. And when he eventually potentially takes over the test side, he might have a core nucleus of four or five guys that he's been the captain of for two or three years. And maybe, you know, they're, they're starting to build. But for the next couple of years, I think the pressure's off South Africa, really. I don't expect them to perform. I don't expect their home fans will be thinking, well, we're a chance to win any of those three World Cups that they've got coming up. So an opportunity for them to rebuild a little bit and see what they can build around those those guys.
0: Well, and Bordy, we're a little bit late for Valentine's Day, so we're, we're recording maybe two or three weeks after that. Um, but your love affair with Cameron Green's continuing, mate. Let's have a, a little chat about the Sheffield Shield, shall we? Wow.
3: Okay, so Cameron Green is at the moment dismantling my Queensland side. We sent him into bet uh, on day one and he scored 251. Uh, and 490,000 declared uh, for five against uh, against my Queensland side. Uh, But he's got 168 not out, 144 in the Marsh Cup and 251 in the last three weeks. So... He's going pretty good, Cameron Green. Uh, but a couple of guys that have, have come to my attention that who have been axed from the Australian side have, have made statements in the Sheffield Shield. So a quick Shield Shield wrap up: uh, Travis Head axed from the Australian side made 223 in the last couple of weeks against Western Australia. Big statement from him.
1: He also scored 100 in that Marsh Cup game. That oh, uh, did he as well? That Green scored 100.
3: Well, there you go. So Head's, heads in great form. Uh, Cam Bancroft 126 uh, Western Australia versus South Australia in a Shield game, uh, and Joe Burns 171 against Tasmania since. Being axed from that Australian side,
2: I I don't know what uh, context that sort of came up in, but I did see Ravi Ashwin talking about Cam Green uh, a week or two so ago. Um, he was kind of talking about it in the context maybe of some of the young Indian players as well, and mm. and I guess around how young players come into the game. He it, he was basically saying, uh, you know. How we how we bring our young players up when they're young, we build them up as their greatest players, and much like Australia did with Cam Green, and or certainly the media did. You know, yeah. the next Ricky Ponting, the next, the next biggest biggest thing in Australian cricket. Yeah. And then as soon as they get to that level, they start bringing them down. Hundred like percent. The minute that they get on that thing, and hundred percent.
3: And it drives me insane because yeah. Cameron Green, for mine. Maybe he shouldn't have been selected this summer. Maybe he needed another summer of strong domestic performance before we start getting o- over the top. He is, he is so good that I can understand why the media talk him up. But we just need to temper that expectation that runs at shield level do not necessarily mean runs at test level. You know, you have a look at a guy like Sean Marsh, cannot stop scoring runs at shield level gets into test cricket and, you know, over the course of a career averages around thirty five or so. So we just have to temper those expectations. It's gonna take two or three years for him to develop as a test cricketer, but I'm excited about it.
1: I guess I'll take the other other side of that argument that I think that he's he's just too good for the first class level at the moment in mm-hmm. Australia. He did also score a hundred in the A game, I believe, against um, India. Yep. So I think that I don't know what his bowling's like, but as a batsman, I think that he's well ready to be playing international cricket.
0: Yeah, and you've got to give him a crack, haven't you? And you know, he's going to come into that side. He's going to learn a lot from the games that he has played. And then, yes, absolutely, might need to go and hone some of that in Shield cricket. Mm. But he's going to be better from having the opportunity, even if he doesn't play regularly for yep. Australia for the next twelve months or so.
3: The thing, the thing with guys like this is if you pick them, you have to stick with them, right? You cannot pick Cam Green and then go, well, he hasn't scored 100 in his first six, seven test matches. We're going to drop him. Now that you've picked him, you've got to keep him playing in that test side for two or three years and then go, okay, he's played three years of test cricket. He hasn't delivered at that level. Then we bring him back. The worst thing that you can do is pick him for three or four games doesn't perform, and then drop him again. That's horrible.
2: I would say it's that they've got to support him because it's not necessarily... I think, actually, the more that we keep talking about selections and all these kind of things, I keep thinking, actually, if you support the players well, being dropped or left out of a side shouldn't actually be a big deal, particularly with the way that things are going on right now, people getting rotated out, people are getting rested. Yeah, it's how you do it. It's how you do it. And for support, someone like Cam Green, who's come into the side... That, you know, the media and everyone went on and on about how he didn't take a wicket, you know?
3: You're absolutely right, Stuart. The problem that I have at the moment is the Australian selectors are not communicating that message effectively to the public. Mm. They may be doing it to the players, they're not doing it to the public. Do you they have- need to do it to the public though, if they're doing it to the player, and the player knows? If they're doing it to the players, then that's fine. The reason that people get all bent out of shape in the media is because the communication isn't being made to the public. And then, therefore, we've got lots to talk about, which is great, but yeah. the public tend to get upset. The way they handled the head situation, the way they handled the Wade situation, the way they handled the, birds, uh, the Burns situation doesn't sound to me like they're making that communication clear. Mm. And that's my concern.
2: Well, and it's putting the players it, its putting the players in a negative light in front of the media as well, isn't it? And, and even if, if they are... Com- Conveying that message to them.
3: And that and that's that that's the problem. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, the other one I wanted to pick up on is you've already mentioned head. So he's on the other end of the, the spectrum when you're talking about Cam Green. He's someone who who's a bit of an older head. Australia obviously want him in their setup as a leader. I think up until this 250 from from Cameron Green, I think that he was the leading run scorer in Sheffield Shield yep. this year. So does that? I mean, all of those things seem to make a case for me of why they took him ahead of someone like Matthew Wade, even though uh, we were up in arms about
3: it. Yeah, I I like Travis Head as a cricketer. He's got to deliver on the international stage because he's a little bit older. His leash is a little bit shorter than than Cameron Green's. He's he's had a bit of a go again. It's how you support a guy like that. They've given him a, a reasonable opportunity, uh, but he has to turn that into more big scores for Australia, um, particularly when he's in a position of responsibility in that batting order. I think we might have seen the last of Matthew Wade in an Australian white jersey, uh, but he's got plenty of a job to do in the whiteboard format coming up for Australia. We'll stick
0: with a little bit of an Australian theme after the break, where we'll talk a little bit about Australia, New Zealand, T20s. We've had a game down in Wellington uh, today, 12 o'clock start, so good timing for the podcast that we get to talk about it rather than it going on um, as we're recording. But we'll be back after the switch to talk Aussie, New Zealand. Well, in a hastily convened segue, let's um, talk a little bit about the New Zealand domestic scene leading into what's happening internationally down in Wellington in the T20. Ford Trophy final uh, has just happened. So, yeah, what's going on domestically from an NZ cricket perspective, Lip?
2: Oh Well, look, you guys always uh, give me stick about uh, supporting Canterbury and, uh, you know, on that front, we've got to just give uh, Canterbury a massive shout-out for, for winning the Ford Trophy. Chasing down 290 and two down, making it look very, very easy in 45 overs against ND, who actually had a. Uh, they won their semi final basically because it rained, but they were well in charge of that. Henry Cooper made a massive score, massive 100 in that game. So there's been a lot of runs in the past week. We talked about all the runs that there's been the week before with uh, Henry Nichols and, and Tom Latham and a range of other people scoring hundreds, Finn Allen. It, it just continued. 289 for ND. There were scores from uh, Katany Clark, who was actually someone that uh, Dean Brownlee mentioned to us uh, right at the start of the season as a young player to watch. And he's certainly shown those glimpses throughout the season. So, yeah, I think definitely someone still to watch. One to watch, yeah. Um, But, I mean, the story of the day, really. Henry Nichols, 127 not out. That's 200s in a week for him. He's, you know, I guess shaping it. We we don't think about him in the, the... T20 stuff and we've had so many T20s lately but you know opening up in the the one day is for New Zealand certainly putting himself in the limelight again yeah Ken McClure also someone I think that Cole McConchie mentioned to us was was hitting the ball great he's had two list hundreds, and he got 92 off of 74 balls uh, in that final hit, hit some big bombs I think they call them these days uh, yeah just Absolutely brilliant batting and to chase down two ninety and forty five overs, I guess just shows what you were talking about last week, Binksy. The the, the wickets in, in New Zealand have gotta be given a huge shout at the moment.
0: Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think I think the thing if you you know look at that game ND have got to be gutted that they didn't really one of those guys that got you know runs to Cattany-Clark uh, Carter got 70 oh, De Grandham down the order no, no one got the big one um, and you know look at that Canterbury scorecard really anchored by that Nichols 100 so you know was there an opportunity for them to really put the foot down there were 184 for 3 when Carter was out um, you know you're probably looking somewhere region region 3 23 30 with that you know, amount of overs to go and, and just kept losing mm. yeah kept losing losing wickets so what um, interested me to Grundholm 50 odd down the order didn't bowl though so um, yeah what does that mean I guess uh, moving forward as an all-rounder option whether he's just sort of returning to fitness or whether yeah he, he might struggle a little bit with some of the guys that have come in and done well over the course of the summer
2: Oh yeah, I would have thought. I, I would. I would think it's injury, injury related, probably, and and management related that he didn't bowl in this game. And indeed, do have you know a number of, of different options in, in the way, but you know they were bowling someone like Jeep Raval in that game. So I would have thought. You know, I, I don't have the official word, but I would say
3: that he would come in front of that under he, normal circumstances. Under normal
2: circumstances, but it, I think it's a great question on where does Colin de Gronholm fit now, and in, in kind of all of our lineups, does he? You know, this T Twenty side, the the World Test Championship. Side, yeah, I'm. I actually don't know the answer to that question. I don't know where he would fit because Daryl Mitchell played great in the Test series. The guys that have come in, like Nisham and Santner have certainly made their claim in the in the uh, T20 stuff that we've seen. So I I don't know. You know, you've seen Colin de Gronholm kind of in the last year or so bat and bat as a specialist batsman, also almost in the 2020 format, kind of batting three or four mm. at times. So yeah, whether whether they they do that. This it, it'll be fascinating, and I think we're going to get some real answers from the squad perspective when the Bangladesh side is named because he Gary Stead's kind of already alluded to the fact that probably the IPL players might miss that series, and you know someone like Martin Guptill who's maybe injured himself again today, possibly, um, or or basically just the fact that we might see some some fresh faces in that, those squads to face Bangladesh and, and give some guys some rest. So that'll probably be a, a huge clue on who is going to be the, the squad players for that T20 World Cup.
0: And you talked about Guptal there, so leading run scorer in this um, T20 series that's going on. What do we want to talk about? Game 5 happened today?
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stealing the the microphone here, but I'm, I'm just so, so impressed with the fact that New Zealand kind of learned from their previous games. I think that's the the biggest takeaway from me is that often you, you you can often see teams and they have a plan and they just stick to their plan and things don't go right and they just keep going and keep going and keep going. But New Zealand clearly made some mistakes in game 3 and game 4 and it cost them dearly and they just changed things they changed things up immediately. And and it paid massive massive dividends. Gary Stead had said that they hadn't shown enough intent in that in that fourth game. They just never fired a shot. Immediately in game five, they just, you know, Guptill came out and aggressively, they changed it. Conway came in to kind of take on Ashton Agar, I think. He didn't end up,
3: you know, doing, that. doing it. that but He but changed but the complexion of that of that opening four or five overs um, and, and took the pressure off New Zealand's batting order because Seifert wasn't then under pressure and they were, and he was able to ease new zealand into their innings
1: and Guppu, Gupti, Gupti and Guptu wasn't under pressure either because so no. uh, conway was like 30 off 18 or something wasn't yep. he? Conway,
3: conway was ahead until until martin guptil teed off um, and he was a it was a reasonable way ahead of, of Guptil, but guptil was able to catch up a tremendous innings from him.
1: Just to pick up on your point, I, I do like that they learned from those uh, th- those mis- mistakes we'll call them. I didn't like I didn't enjoy watching um, Glenn Phillips bowling. Yeah. I did enjoy seeing Mark Chapman bowl. Mm, he uh, bowled really well. I think he bowled really well as well. And and just there was I think it was game three we talked about when Mark Chapman played and they only. Played five When Santana wasn't available, yeah. they only bowled five bowlers, still went for 200 runs, it, it didn't make any sense to me, so I think this performance in the 5th, 2020, they learnt a lot.
3: And all of those things that you guys have just talked about, learning from your mistakes, changing your plans, uh, showing intent, they're all the things that Australia failed to do, or failed to execute in Game 5. You talk about lack of intent. Australia had no intent against New Zealand's fifth and sixth bowling options in Game 5. Mm. We allowed Chapman to bowl well. He bowled well, but we allowed him to bowl well because we didn't put him under any pressure. We allowed f- mostly Glenn Phillips to get away, wide notwithstanding, to get away with some cheap overs and put Australia under pressure in those middle overs. We didn't take the game to New Zealand's fifth and sixth bowling options, which we did so well against Nisham and Jamison In games three and four. We dominated that period of the game and won those games. The other thing that Australia didn't do is learn any lesson from New Zealand's bowling effort. We've got a guy there called Glenn Maxwell who can bowl off spin, opens the bowling in for his IPL side, can take pace off the ball and bowl at least two if not three overs in their innings. Didn't bowl at all. We ran up and we bowled pace on. Riley Meredith at at one point, they had a little graphic on the game, 98% of his balls... Pace on. Did not take the ball, pace off the ball once. Now, to be fair, it's his third game of international cricket. So he gets a kind of a bit of a pass. But the rest of the guys did not learn any lessons from, from New Zealand's bowling effort and did not apply plan B or plan C effectively at all.
1: We also, I guess, don't know what Riley Meredith's... He's his, his instructions were, if he's told to go out there and bowl 150Ks and just bowl 150Ks... Then, then that's
3: fine. That's fine. That's fine. He also was reasonably economical, to I, be fair.
1: I did also like how New Zealand attacked the spinners. Uh, yep. Adam Zampo got absolutely pasted. He did. He he's going to need some extra strong coffee beans, I think, <laughs> yeah. when he gets back to Australia. But I, I, I think that there was a massive, massive change in the way that we batted and we played the spinners. Conway, I like the look of him at the top of the order. Yep. Mm. I, I don't know... I think it's going to be interesting when we talk about a little bit further what this actually this makeup of our New Zealand side looks like. Mm. Because I think there's an opportunity to have mm. guys like Mark Chapman in the team who play dual roles or have the ability to bowl spin mm. and bat lower down the order or higher in the order. Mm. Depends. I think we need to look at that flexibility.
0: I think New Zealand have been really smart in this series. that They kind of probably know roughly who those 20 people are that are going to go to the T20 World Cup. What they seem to have done for me during this series is, without really experimenting, they've just made some little tweaks so that when someone does go down on the game a day of the game with you know a dodgy stomach or breaks a finger or you know pulls a hammy. They've got that guy who's played an, you know, played an innings or two in that backup role, whether that's Conway um, at the top of the order, whether that's a guy like Chapman bowling a few overs, Phillips bowling a few overs. That yeah, you know, I think they've been really, really smart. Um, and Bordy sort of pointed it out, probably not the same as Australia. No. What have Australia learnt? Who's on the plane for Australia? And, and who's sort of talked themselves out of a boarding pass during this five-game series?
3: So I've got a couple of points around that. Uh, Finch up. You know, he's he. Who would have thought at the start of this series that Finch and Gupta would be the I two know. leading Amazing, run scorers?
1: Probably you, Baldy. <laughs>
3: um, no, not or no, p- p- maybe not me, but excellent from Finch, right? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna loop back around to Finch as my closing point because he he actually answers a really big question for mine that no one's kind of touched on yet. So Finch up for me uh, for a couple of reasons: one, because he got runs, um, and two, because he anchored those two victories um, in terms of batting, sort of a run a ball. And then he was able to go, you know, big at the end, and that and that really paid off.
2: It, it was interesting today. I heard him at the end talking about um, the total that they, you know, the total that they posted today. And he said 160 was the total that he had in his mind as the pass score. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly right in terms of what he was able to. He he had to fight really hard in in that third game, fourth game, whenever it was that he scored those, scored that 50, and really fought hard, and then mm. just teed off it on on Jameson and. Yeah, I think that was his plan again today, but those kind of things if they don't work then you kind of have set up the team you haven't set up the team, team for well success, yeah. for success. Yeah.
3: And so we'll so we'll loop around that. Um, I think I think almost by subtraction we've found the right balance in our in our middle order. Um, I think in total the more responsibility we give Glenn Maxwell the the better he is overall. He didn't play a great shot today off his second ball. Uh, to get caught at fine leg but but generally speaking the more responsibility he gets the better he plays Um, and we've got three options with the gloves and I think they're all relatively interchangeable at this point so Philippe, uh, Wade and Kerry who wasn't on the plane but I think would go to India are all relatively interchangeable options now that we've seen Wade get runs Um, the thing that I that I didn't like in this series is what the hell are we doing with Mitchell Marsh what, what?
2: What, why is he batting below Ashton Agar?
3: So that that is not the way forward for Australia. This, this experiment that we've had for a left-hander in Australia's middle order, Agar is two spots at least too high at number six. I love him as a bowler. I think he's fantastic. Uh, he has a test match 98, so, he's, so he can bat. But I think in Australia's T20 side, if you've got a choice between Marsh or Henriques or someone and Agar, Agar's not the man to win you to win
1: you that game. I'm Who sorry. takes responsibility for that Marsh coming in so low? Is that is that a team? That's, that's a strategic management decision. Or that is that captain is, on the day? That
3: is advanced analytics and matchups getting in the way of your best cricketers should be given the chance to win you the game, right? Mitchell Marsh is a better bat than Ashton Agar. The fact that Ashton Agar is left-handed is unrelated to elephants. It, it drives me mad. That that people think that you've got a guy who's like a, a seven and a half out of ten as a bat and a guy who's five and a half, and I'm not being disrespectful to either of those cricketers, but that's the reality. Mitchell Marsh is a better bat and as we saw in the first game when he got forty five, he should be batting at six.
2: But does does that just suggest a lack of confidence in Mitchell Marsh in general in terms of you know, should he even be in the team if
1: well, if that's how they're treating him? You've
0: got him. Manus and Smith coming back, so I, I and think you've got Henriks. Yeah. Um, don't
1: forget, you've got Henrik's yeah. as well. So, and so
0: yeah. So I, I, I do think you know those guys, and you've kind of you picked three keepers there, and um, two of them will go probably, and one of them, uh, mm. one of them won't. But certainly from a middle order perspective, yes, March probably scraped into a twenty man squad. Yeah, but, um, but I don't think they'll be getting a shirt printed for him. I,
3: I, I. <laughs> I <laughs> Mitch, the, the Marsh brothers, Mitchell Marsh in particular, have grown on me in the last 12 months as cricketers, but I don't think he's in Australia's best 11 going to India. Um, I think you've got Stoinis, you've got Enric, you've got Dan Christian, who no one's talking about, who's been excellent for, for Sydney this this summer. Um, they're all guys that I would have ahead of him in that sort of batting, bowling, all-rounder stakes. And l- let's not forget, he didn't bowl because he's not ready to bowl yet from from his uh, latest injuries. Mm. Um so, Baldy, run us through your, your 11
0: for India. You've got a few brackets there, but you, you've thought this out and got a bit of a bit of a roster.
3: Yeah, so almost by subtraction, that middle-order question for me, Maxwell at four, but it leaves Marcus Stoinis, who actually outpointed Maxwell, I think, in this series overall, second-highest run score for Australia. I think he actually should open the batting um, going to India because that's where he's at his most destructive. So you've got... Warner, to come back into the side, I think he'll open the batting. I think you've got Stoinis in there to open the batting. Left hand, right hand combination, which is nice. But they can both bat. Um, you've got Manas and Smith in there either at three and four or one of them to to play. I like the fact that Manas can bowl leggies because in India an extra over or two of that could be valuable. Smith used to bowl leggies as well. Smith used to bowl leggies. But <laughs> if he's not going to bowl, then he, then then Manus kind of has a, a, a half a point extra there. I know Smith's a better batsman, but if you can get a couple of overs out of manus in that in that context i think it's i think if you had to pick one then i would almost lean towards him a little bit in t20s unless smith shows us something incredible in the in the interim you've got maxwell there i've got finch at 5 what finch showed me in this series is that one he can pace an in innings really really well two he gets hit on the pads a lot when the ball swings mm. and in the middle overs the ball doesn't swing so he might be able to come in and and have a little bit you know, more time to, to get in. And then he can go big at the end. What I really liked was that Finch, when he batted at the end of the innings, was super destructive. Um, so I would actually have Finch in the middle order for Australia as a finisher. Um, I've got Kerry and Wade and Henriques, Marsh, or a bowler in there at six and seven. I think Australia take too many bowlers into T20s. I would much rather see Australia take an extra batter or an extra all-rounder, like Henriks like Dan Christian, who can do both, rather than bat Agar at seven because I think he's one too high. Then I've got Agar, Stark, Cummins, Samper, and that's my, that's my side to go to India. You've got three, maybe four spinners, so you can get 12 overs of spin if you need to. You've got Stark and Cummins, Premier pace bowlers, who can swing and do all the needful at the end. And you've got great backup in Kane Richardson and Jai Richardson as well, Henriques. Um, Stoyness to bowl. Riley
2: Meredith's got to be on the plane, I
3: think. Riley Meredith is 100% on the plane. Um, As Adam pointed out after his first game, needs to work on a little bit of variation. If his job... If he was told just to bowl as fast as you can, kind of like Lockie Ferguson is told, just bowl bowl as... Sean Tate. Tate. Or Sean Tate. If that's his job, then he's he's done his job perfectly. But what he should learn from today's game is that bowling really, really fast is not always the answer. You've got to have some kind of variation that he should be working on, and he'll learn from that, hopefully. Um, but but it didn't come off for him today.
1: I think in India, just like the other T20 that we saw that was played at night, mm. that pace makes a difference with the with the Jew, etc. Yep. Playing in the middle of the day, you saw that you didn't really have any problems with it.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean you know, Williamson's probably one of the best batsmen in the world and, and has had a bit of a hurry up from, from Meredith. So, you know, it makes a difference at 150 kilometres an hour. Are
1: you guys happy with that? Uh, no, no,
3: that oh, was not. a shocking decision. <laughs> no.
2: Can we can we recap our uh, umpire's call? Can we just re-record that episode? We, yeah, <laughs> uh, to,
3: to, to be able to take that back would be ideal. He got <laughs> sawn off there. I, I I looked at it live and went, ooh. ooh. Yeah. Uh, ooh.
2: I, I think picking up on that Meredith thing, though, what Lockie, what Lockie has done and what I think he's the strides he's taken as a, a limited over his bowler is those change-ups. Exactly. He's added those change-ups and they've become Yorca. hugely, hugely important for him, that yep. slow ball and, yeah, and the off-pace deliveries. And, and New Zealand did that really well in this game and it, it seems to be something they would have been trying to develop the whole series. Even mm-hmm. Jameson, who was really getting, you know, yeah, you know, we'll talk about him, I guess he, you know, he got pasted um, in all the games that he played. He did, looked like he didn't really know where to bowl, his lengths and all that kind of stuff. Even him, it was nice to see him trying some different deliveries and and certain things that he's going to need in in different conditions. So, yeah, even if he maybe has played himself out of the starting eleven for New Zealand in T20 format, whether he was even in there really when Lockie was there, Mm. you know, is another debatable point. But, yeah, I I think it's nice that he's trying. They all seem to be working on these things that they are going to necessarily need in India, which is what we're all building for.
3: And the real plus for New Zealand is that those experiments seem to really work for them. Australia have kind of got into their preferred eleven in my mind almost by by experiments not working. Yeah, we've tried stuff. Elimination, and, yeah, yeah, and we've we've done it by process of elimination. Whereas New Zealand have gone Conway at top of the order, success. Guptill's back. Um, Jamison may maybe not, but you found all these other options. Santner turned the ball. Holy crap! He bowled really well. He bowled really
2: well. Jeez, we, that, that showed how important he was when he wasn't there in Game Three. Yeah, Boy, absolutely. Just the balance of the side stuff. Yeah. You, you you mentioned Conway opening up again, Raj. Raj, picked up, You know, you want to pick up on how that changes the balance of, you know, what the potential lineups could be for New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's that's a massive conversation. If we just talk about the batsmen first. I remember a couple of, maybe a month ago, we talked about what the top four for New Zealand looks like. Mm. Tim Seifert wasn't in my most exciting top four. I love seeing Conway batting at the top with Martin Guptill and then Kane Williamson and then the fourth is Glenn Phillips. The way that they batted today, I want to see that every single time. Mm. They would have chased down 200 today. They were batting incredibly well. What I like about Conway is that he has multiple gears and he can choose which he needs to do.
0: Yeah, he's played sort of almost like an anchor and then just sort of let someone else go. Um, And then, you know, he's done the reverse as well, batted top of the order, middle of the order. You've really found a hell of a player there. I think he's going to be a a three-format player for the next, well, seven or eight years.
1: The best part of that top four is that two of them can actually take the gloves. Mm which frees up a whole raft of other possibilities. Mm. We've talked about, well, we will talk about, I'm going to talk about it now. <laughs> Tim Southy batting an eight is is not not acceptable what for me. What doing not, ahead of the Jameson. Way
2: that would, I, That's got to be just, I'm pulling rank here and I'm coming in ahead of you.
1: I, I don't know what was happening there, but if you look at someone like Southie, Bolt and Sothe, if you have those guys coming in nine, 10, 11, mm. and then you've got your six, seven, eight, you've got Nishim, you've got, Sentner, Sentner, you've got Bracewell, you've got Mark Chapman, you've got Scott Kugeline, all who can do both disciplines. They can both bowl, they can bowl and they can bat. They can mm. do both disciplines. Mm. It makes our batting line up so long, and there is an option there for emergencies and, and injuries. Mm. I, I was thinking a similar
2: thing around Seifert because he, he played. I mean, he, he played an in innings in the last game. It, it's one of those innings where the longer he bats you're almost playing yourself out of, like he he just really struggled and, mm. you know, you almost, when you're a top-order player and you're struggling like that, you just want to get out because it's not it's not helpful for you when you're putting yourself in front of the selectors. But then let's think back to those two series at the start of the summer. He was excellent. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that they will just discard him in, in that way and I, I don't think... You know, he, he hasn't had a great series. And, you know, if you look at someone like Riley Meredith when he was bowling to him, he definitely looked like he hurried him up. And mm. and those kind of things are a, a little worrying and things when, when, you know, you are getting beaten for pace and, and you're not looking like yourself and, and can play those shots. But, yeah, I think we I think you're right in the terms of what kind of other avenues it opens up. Because, you, you know, Chapman, if he can bowl two overs for us in... In India, at that's going to be six
3: seven. That's hugely valuable, right?
2: It's going to be so important because what Australia did so well in a couple of the, in those games that they won is that they bowled lots of different bowlers, and they mm. Finch was able to change, and he was able to bring on Stoyness because the ball was sticking in the wicket, and there's just a lot of different bowlers you can have in your side, and sometimes that feels ridiculous because you think, oh, it's only twenty; you've only got to get twenty overs. Let's just pick our five best bowlers. But it actually, to me, showed the value of having
3: six or seven, options. so many different options. Yep.
2: Because as soon as we saw Nishim having to bowl four, mm. it was just a, a disaster. And for, if, for if Philip
3: keeps, then that means he doesn't bowl. So that's.
2: I, I think it'd be Conway the one that would keep because yeah, to me, Phillips. It, it, Phillips hasn't been keeping a um, could swap at 10 Well exactly, they could do that <laughs> Phillips but could come on and bowl
3: in the second half And then take the gloves, that'd be good well, th-
2: be, be
1: great. They've batted Phillips in the top 5 in cricket as well So I think they want to develop his, his batting Ahead of that discipline But I guess What do we think about How New Zealand are shaping up For the subcontinent Do you think that they are looking at playing Three spinners Or what, what, what are they looking at at the moment
2: I would say the only way they do that is if they play Chapman as that third spinner because I just can't see how you can leave out if you're fully fit leaving out Bolt, Bolt, James, uh, Bolt, Ferguson and Southie. Um, it's because they, the just because of the things that they offer you. So Ferguson's, you've got your extreme pace and Bolt and Southie swing. I guess the that the one element is whether Southie is so impactful in India. You know, if if that ball doesn't swing. He's not like I don't I don't think he should even bowl at the death. And I guess that's what the if you have six bowlers, or six guys that can chip pick a couple of overs, you can bowl him two or three overs at the start, that opening spell, and then just give up. Like he doesn't have to He just overs. They keep bringing him back for the death overs, but he doesn't need to bowl them. Mm.
0: I, I think there's two things here. So I think that there's the squad size that's going to go to that World Cup. So you're going to be able to cover a lot of your options because you're going to be able to take 20 mm. um, people. I also think we've obviously got some COVID components still in play. So I think what New Zealand, for me, it looks like they're doing is they're planning for those eventualities of the tournament actually gets put in two or three locations and you're using the same wickets over and over again. Yep. And then you might not be going with the Lockie Ferguson. You might be saying, hey, we are going to need to take pace off. We are going to need those spin options. Chapman comes in and bowls a few overs. Santner plays, Sodi plays. So I think they've been really, really smart about the way that they're planning for those two eventualities.
1: Yeah,
3: I agree.
1: I think with Southie and Bolt, uh, how we have been talking about them, the component that's missing from New Zealand at the moment is the ability to rest momentum back through sustained pressure sustained bowling Mm. we're missing that at the moment we need either a mistake from the opposing batsman or just to get some kind of one-off ball that gets a wicket
3: well that's where Lockie Ferguson comes into that right he provides that point of difference in that New Zealand attack where like Riley Meredith for Australia he can offer 145 150 plus and that ability to change the dynamic of those early overs up for the batsman you're absolutely right having Nisham, having Chapman, having Phillips, those guys that can bowl the other four overs, I mean you're going to have to take Santner at seven then if you've got those five bowlers for New Zealand, which I think is reasonable, he's done a really good job there um, that gives you that sixth option and you can kind of fiddle with bowling two from Saudi or or only two from Ish if you if you don't get a chance Well guys, I think that, that
0: really in summation, New Zealand are a pretty strong position, Australia have learnt some stuff from that series um, and certainly I know um, Yeah, certainly after watching all this test cricket, I'm looking forward to a bit of T20 World Cup um, action. Look, we will be back after the break to talk New Zealand, England women's cricket, um, and then we'll wrap the pod with England, India,
3: and uh, yeah, the test match post-mortem. No one wants the dreaded pair, and you don't want to lose out to a DRS. That's the downstairs rainforest situation. So it's more important than ever to look after your pair. Now with Manscaped.com, you'll never nick off, get caught in a slip, or have a dreaded pair again. We were very lucky that the guys at Manscaped have sent us their latest lawnmower 3.0 to try out, and even luckier that they sent us one each. No sharing situations here. So get on to something called their website and check out some of their other product names. Kudos to the marketing department, top work chaps. When you visit manscaped.com on your internet machine, you'll save 20% and get free shipping with the special code... Top order at checkout. You know how it works. Get onto your internet machine and dial up manscaped.com and use top order for 20% off with free shipping on all their great product lines. Lads, at the end of the day, a man's home is his castle, so look after the lawn around your castle with the Lawnmower 3.0 and a range of quality accessories. Keep it looking and feeling smooth as a Virette Coley cover drive.
2: So we just wanted to give Binksy a little bit of a, a respite before we go into the England-India series. So we've got, uh, and I guess it's a, a step back for us as New Zealanders after you know winning this New Zealand-Australia men's series. It's been pretty disappointing for the White Ferns. Binksy, you want to take us through some of the highlights from England?
0: Yeah, so look, um, the big four really standing tall for England. So Tammy Beaumont, Nat Sivert, Heather Knight and Catherine Brunt back into the attack, so she'd been injured. Um, but a couple of wickets today, and I think it's got one more tournament um, in her probably on that, that, that big stage. And I, look, I guess you guys just struggling a little bit for runs, so no different to the last time that we, uh, that we spoke.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I think that's the... That's the real concern for New Zealand. I mean, it's it's pretty much a repeat of what I said last week. We've seen some glimpses. We've seen Amy Sathiswaite really kind of the one shining light in in the batting lineup that looks like she can break out and score a big score. But Sophie Devine's really struggling, and we're just not getting we're just not getting runs. And it's you can't win cricket games if you're not getting any runs.
3: England have established a gap over New Zealand uh, in, this, in this series, as Australia kind of have done with New Zealand uh, in that series that they played in Brisbane. In order to bridge that gap, they're going to need more from, from Sophie Devine, who's a world-class cricketer. So I expect this time next year when we're talking about a lead into the Women's World Cup that Sophie Devine has, has, has sorted that out and she's going to be huge on the world stage I thought Halliday was a nice addition to the New Zealand side. Yep. Um, she's She's been really good in, in the games that she's played. Um, the Kerr sisters uh, uh, have done well as well. Uh, Lee Kasprick d- d- did okay. I, I just think all the elements are there for a side that can bridge the gap between um, Australia, England and India, who are the kind of top three at the moment, and New Zealand are, are kind of trying to chase them down. I just wonder what it is, if, it, if it's an X-Factor player that they need or it's someone to stand tall in that tournament next year or it's mental I'm not quite sure what it is but New Zealand in the series that we've seen against Australia and against England haven't really bridged that gap between between those big 3 and that's what we were kind of hoping for from the white ferns in, in these two series
0: I guess a little bit like Andy Murray though it's sort of bridging the gap between the you know the big 3 in tennis and him being the you know the fourth cab off the rank if you're in that T20 environment you get into a semi final someone comes off, whether that's Devine or Satterthwaite, um, then you're in the final, there's pressure on both sides. Mm. So, you know, knockout cricket, um, I think is going to be key. Okay. Um, and they're going to be there and thereabouts, aren't they? Let, let's be honest, in terms of um, the pecking order in women's cricket, there is that sort of strength in the top four or five sides in the world, and then it drops away. Um, probably a little bit more starkly in, in, uh, in the men's format. So, yep. yeah, I, I do think that, you know, th- th- they've got some time to build for that tournament as well. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's
2: it's just it is a worry and uh, I think, you know, it's only going to get tougher. Australia's coming now, so yeah, look we will we'll look at we'll look ahead at, at that series in, in the coming weeks, but yeah, I think let's move on to to rib Binksy a little bit more about this India England series. I mean, is it is it just a repeat of everything we said last week?
0: Uh Look, I think there's definitely some undercurrents that are going to be relatively similar. We're going to talk about selection. We're going to talk about um, rotation of uh, key players we're not going to probably talk too much about the pitch again although I think again you would say that um, let's not get into this in too much detail but this pitch did turn excessively from day one of the test match again mm-hmm. um, if I look at um, you know the one the, the one thing I never really do is come to podcasts prepared with statistics but I got stats off the park last time by my <laughs> man Raj so <laughs> I've actually come with some stats and um, career averages of in- uh, of India's probably three gun players uh, uh, Pajara um, 46 Kohli 57 Rahane 41 their averages in india 56 64 and 36 respectively their averages in this series 22 28 and 18 so that tells a really big story for me that you've got three guys that have got ph- phenomenal records in their home country and um, haven't managed to really get above those um, i've got the average scores at those grounds as well and they they make this they make similar reading I don't want to take anything away from India. They have outskilled England um, over the three Test matches. Um, you know, obviously that first Test in Chennai, um, Joe Root, um, who was really our only shining light of the whole summer, seven hundred and something runs at sixty odd. Um, but even he's been quiet in these three uh, three Test matches. To put it into perspective, Axar Patel has taken his wickets in this series at an average of 10.59 and Ravi Ashwin at an average of 14.71. When you transpose that onto all-time bowling statistics, that would put Patel at the top of the all-time bowling statistics ahead of George Lohman, who took 112 wickets at 10.75 <laughs> from a span of 1896. Um, and it would place Ashwin at fourth on that list. So I just think that that tells the picture of how dominant spin has been in that. Um, And there's a number of components that have played into that. It has been the pitches. It has been the fact that England have sent arguably one of their best players of spin in Joss Butler um, home. And the other thing I'll say, you know, I said I wasn't sort of particularly prepared, but um, I've also (laughs) got some notes and and, um, having a bit of a WhatsApp conversation with some mates back at home about cricket as well. And for me, the, the biggest problem here is just the quality of that England side. Um, so, you know, th- this is this is really key. And this is what I wrote after a few gin and tonics last night as I was watching our abject <laughs> performance. Um, but Burns, Sibley, Bairstow, um And I actually put Lawrence, um, so let, I- I'll kind of give him some kudos. So Burns, Sibley, so are just not good enough. Pope and Crawley aren't ready yet, but they would be if anyone in the top three could bat with them for five minutes and show them the ropes. Um, it's like a Battle of Britain. Pilot going up for the first time without someone on his wing. <laughs> Um, butler and Stokes. Un- How many
2: genetics have you had tonight?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Take a breath. Yeah. Butler and Stokes underachieve for their ability. Like, let's let that sink in. Butler averages in the 30s, and Stokes is a much better player than an average of 37 with a bat in test cricket. Only root of our batters is really good enough. Um Anderson and Broad are still class. Archer's been poorly managed alongside Dominic Bess and doesn't seem to want to be there.
1: He's injured,
0: isn't he? Um he was injured for this game. His he, flare up of this elbow injury. Um, but you know I You just look at his demeanour. I don't think that they're managing him as well as they can. Um, Wood, Stone and Curran just aren't good enough with the ball, I don't think. Um, And Wokes and Ali are a bit like Tim Bresnan. after that 2010-2011 Ashes. He's just on the decline. He's lost a bit of nip. And look, I can't see him getting back in. Um, and look I think that that is really a, a massive problem Baldy's gone into these Aussie batsmen that are just tearing up trees in Sheffield Shields we're going to get our arses handed to us in Australia we're going to be going to the WACA or we're not we're going to be going to the Optus we're going to be going to Brisbane we're going to go to Sydney Melbourne and Adelaide and we're just going to watch Australian batsmen rack up run after run and then Hazelwood Stark Pattinson Meredith whoever you want are just going to come in <laughs> and tear the shit out of our <laughs> middle order and we're going having this same conversation and it will be focused on pitches and bounce but it will be exactly the same none of those guys are going to go to australia and pull up trees and none of them are going to be around to go to india to rectify it either there you go well
3: i, I don't know wow how. i, I did th- not expect <laughs> that that's i tell you that's some front foot attack right there that's what in, that's what england were missing when they were batting. Is and i got foot the stats attack. to back it up as You've well got front foot attack <laughs> zach crawley styles look
2: I, one of the things that i mean you 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 have potentially just answered your que- the question that I had, but um, now that you have mentioned it, maybe we'll open it up to the panel. That England batting lineup—who who are the keepers from that? Not wicket keepers. Who are the who are the keepers in that lineup? Because it feels like there's been so many, right? All of those guys that we've named: Burns, Sibley, Crawley, Pope, Lawrence, even you know Beastow back in the mix. Which ones are you, as an English fan, and and as us around the table? Which ones do we think should be sticking there for for the long term?
3: So there's one, two, three, and six are the other the spots you've got to fill, right? Because roots at four, lock Stokes at five, lock. Yeah. So you got to fill you got to fill four spots with all those guys. You throw Butler in there as well, uh, potentially to, to as a specialist batsman, perhaps if Folks is going to keep the gloves. So where do you, where do you go, Adam, from here? Um. Look, the the thing is, we've got the ashes coming up.
0: So, and there aren't too many guys that are in and around this setup. Yet they've invested such a lot of time now in Burns and in Sibley, um, in Bearstow, in Pope. Um, over a period of time, so I I don't see that you know they're going to be able to change the names on those plane tickets too much between now um, and the ashes. For me, Crawley, I I really like the look of him. Um, Lawrence actually really impressed me today. Um, obviously, completely lost cause, but you know played with a little bit of positivity. I'm actually disappointed he got out the way that he did. I thought he should have just batted for Reading because Jimmy Anderson was going to just reverse sweep one straight to point at any minute um, in in the future. Pope looked completely frazzled. Um, hey, what was he doing like, yesterday? Just trying to hit everything. Like he literally shot a ball as if he, you know, he didn't have a plan unless his plan was to play a shot of ball. Um, and it it's going to Rishabh Pant, that situation. Uh, well, no, But, that, but that, I disagree with that. Rishabh Pant's first 50 runs, he yeah, actually yeah. really reined himself in and then went, nah, I'm going to have some fun now. And that's the kind of, you know, the way that someone like Pope um, should be playing. And I, I, I think we're making a lot of excuses for these players. Um, And, you know, the the mismanagement and the selection stuff notwithstanding, Pope's played a little bit of cricket Dominic Bess has played fourteen or fifteen Test matches now, so they can't keep saying, "Well, you know, we're the new guy on the block." They have had, you know, had the opportunities. To succinctly answer your question, though, Crawley would be on the plane for me. Root would be on the plane for me. I think they've got to continue to invest in Pope um, and Lawrence. Um, but I think I'd be throwing the others out and, and, and really seeing who you know who tears up some trees in, in county championship cricket um, early next year. Um, the keeping things in, an interesting one. Uh, Rajasthan aren't probably on the favourites list for the IPL. I wouldn't have thought they've been a, they've been pretty poor the last couple of tournaments. So can't see Joss Butler in the final um, of that IPL. So he he might be available for that test against New Zealand um, May June at, at Lords. Um, but if he's not, obviously, folks um, would get another opportunity. Um, for me, I'd actually try and be squeezing folks in there, because he looked at least as if he had some application mm. with the bat, and then I think Butler can come in and folks can keep Wicket at seven.
2: Raj, that would disappoint you greatly if Burns
0: is gone? It will, it will. I actually want to refute... I, I don't know this joke, why do, why, why do you like
1: Burns so much? Is I just like him? I love him, I think he's a really, really great batsman to watch. Okay. <laughs> it's genuine. I want to refute a couple of your points, no no one's really come to me to refute your statistics. <laughs> Raj, can on. you refute
3: some statistics for us?
1: <laughs> yeah, D- so just you, just introduce oh, yourself. No, well, you, you talked about, you know, Pujara, Kohli, and Etal. And you didn't talk about Pant, scored his first 100 in India. You didn't talk about Ashwin, who averaged more in this uh, test series than he does as a first-class player. You didn't talk about Washington Sundar, who has battered the house down as well in the last... That's like a bikini, what right they reveal is uh, <laughs> uh, compelling. And you also, we also, you you you've, you've pulled uh, Aksar Patel back down to earth there because uh, he's he's apparently going to be the the best bowler in the history of the he's game.
0: He is the left arm Bradman. He
1: is, he <laughs> is. But do you have to remember that Ravi Ashwin he's the second man or second fastest man to four hundred Test wickets? He got out bowled by Aksar Patel. So yeah. why could he why could he not be the best bowler we've ever oh, seen?
3: By three point three two, and that's still average under fifteen, but yeah. Can I just pick up on a point that you made there quickly, Raj, and I'll let you back on your rant. Those those guys that you mentioned, and you and you throw Rohit Sharma in there as well, were the three defining performances with the bat that turned the tide for India in this test series, right? Rohit made 160. Uh, Ashwin got a hundred and Punt got a hundred and and Washington Sundar got ninety six. We 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 shouldn't forget that those performances ninety six would be quickly forgotten. No, nah, I, I will not forget Washington Sundar's ninety six because in the context of that fourth test yeah. made that made a massive difference to, to the first innings lead for India when they were one hundred and sixty for six or whatever when he came in yeah, one hundred and forty for six
1: went all right in Australia too.
3: Hey, it went very well in Australia. So key performances for India guys stood up and were counted when England only really had Joe Root that was able to do that for them. Um, continue your rant.
1: The, the main stat that I want to come back to, and, and to be fair, we have actually ended up here, is I gave you guys a little bit of trivia a couple of weeks ago. How many English batsmen have averaged above 40 since 2012? Mm. And there are only four of them. Four. <laughs> there <They> are only... <laughs> yeah. Well done, Bixie. Can you name those four?
0: Joe Root. Yep. Cook. Cook. Alistair Cook. Hasib Hamid. Yep. Who's the fourth? Ben Foulkes.
1: Ben Foulkes is the other
0: one. Oh, he's like 36 but now, yeah.
1: To be fair, that's where I think the issue is. And sorry, the first person on that list who was just under 40 was Kevin Peterson. Yeah. That's where the issue comes back to is that England have struggled to bat in recent years and they've been found wanting on this tour in India. You forget that in the last two test matches, however short they were, India were the team that batted uh, second, less
0: than two days and less than three days. But yeah.
1: India were the team that batted second. They won by ten wickets and they won by an innings. Mm. It's it's not like both teams couldn't bat on this pitch, though. There's just two pitches. I think that to answer your question succinctly, I would take I would keep Rory Burns. Sibley's gone for me. I, I don't think that he's technically got got the the technique to bat around the world. Mm. Joe Root's there. Um, who's the other one? Joe you Crawley, said, Craw-
3: Pope Lawrence.
1: Yes, so I would take Crawley, I would take Pope, and then we have Ben Stokes at five as well. Mm. Those are the guys that I would take going forward. And Ben, folks, I think he has the ability to best be the best keeper batsman in the world. Ben, folks, so I, I think that that top seven is very strong to me, and I think that we just need to get a little bit more experience into them. But. England need to look internally. They need to not look down at the ground. They need to look at how they're battered in this. And, mate, I don't
0: think that they are necessarily looking down at the ground. I I think, obviously, the media are. I certainly am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Michael Vaughan certainly is. So, look, I I don't think they are making those kind of um, excuses. I I do think that they need to take a hard look at the way they've managed this sort of rotation um, situation. And, look... Um, Again, to the point around communication of selection that Baldy made about Australia, I think England need to be really, really clear that um, as these guys are sitting in the departure lounge um, at the moment on their way home, there's a new group of players coming in for this white ball tour. And Owen Morgan has got his, you know, he could not have picked a better squad of, you know, 16 or 18 players for these T20s. Joe Root can't say the same. So that says mm. to me that they have made a decision that they were prioritising the white ball leg of this tour um, ahead of the test matches. So if they communicate that to the general public and say, do you know what? We've not won in India. Uh, okay, we've not won in India since 2012, but you know we're not likely to win in India particularly regularly. We've prioritised white ball cricket over red ball cricket. And that's why we've made a number of the decisions that we have then I think at least the public, yes, they might be up in arms about that and go, well, Test cricket's the pinnacle and all that kind of stuff. But if they... Get, if that's the message that they want to get out to the public, I think we would at least go okay, fair enough. You've made a plan. Go and win the T Twenty World Cup then, and, and prove us wrong.
2: Well, and they could have made that because the T Twenty World Cup is in India is this year. Like they could have that could have been something that they could have done really easily, and, mm. and everyone would have understood. And there's
3: three in the next two years, right? And you throw the the next T Twenty World Cup and the fifty the fifty over World Cup in twenty twenty three, and they're all if if I'm not wrong, they're all going to be in that part of the world, right? So. There's absolutely this is the time that you should be sending your best team, England's best team, to India.
1: Can I just ask one question? People are talking about you know this is uh, Johnny Biesto's end of his Test career. I think that's really really harsh. I mean, I, I think he, I know he's a white ball cricketer. He's got the white ball contract with with England, but I think that he is genuinely a, a decent batsman. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Um. Look, I think it's a really difficult one. Uh, he averages, um, I th- look, I, I haven't got the stat r- written down. but it's under 40. Well, I know he averages <laughs> under 40, that's for sure. Um, and I think in the last two or three years, he averages under 30 in Test cricket. Um, and look, I think um, the problem for me is he very, very publicly threw the toys out of the pram when he got the gloves taken off him. Mm. Um, and they were given back to Joss Butler. And then, in fairness, they have messed him around. They've asked him to bat in positions that he's not been comfortable to bat in. Um, you know, he's, he's said, you know, I like batting at six or seven. His stats would show that that's where he's really, really effective. And his stats would sh- say that he's more effective than someone like Joss Butler. And he worked his arse off and actually turned himself into a reasonable um, wicketkeeper before he got the arse. And um, so, look, I, I think he's been really, really harshly treated. I can't see, from a technical perspective, him being able to go to Australia and bat where he would need to bat in this order. You've got, um, you know, you've got obviously Stokes who's pretty set on batting at five. And I think if he's going to bowl a few overs, then he can't really bat much higher than that. You've got Root who's locked himself in at four. Um, so, you know, the, the only place for Basto to really bat is in that top three. Um, and I just don't
3: think he's good enough on, on Australian pitches to do that. I'll just back you up there. A couple of key stats around Josh, uh, Johnny Berstow's batting average, 37.8 as a keeper, 27 not as a wicketkeeper. Uh, batting 6, 7, 8 respectively, averages 37, 38 and 37 in the top three. So 3, 4, 5, 30, 10 and 27. So that kind of backs up your point, right? When he bets 6-7-8 as a keeper bet, 37-38, reasonable for a keeper bet in that position, you would say. Uh, but in the top three or four, uh, not so much. And the problem is he's going to be in the white ball squad. He's not going to go back and play
0: four-day cricket in England. So it's not like he can go back and go, right, I'm going to turn myself into a um, a David Warner or you know whoever it is and go and just smash county attacks. And even if he did, I don't think that would be good enough. So I think there is potentially some truth in the fact he's not going to be back in and around that group.
1: And th- but that might be part of the issue because the reason I asked this specific question was I have some stats. And it's the 2016-17... <laughs> Everyone's been prepping today. 2016-17 <laughs> series when India were in England. You know
0: 77% of statistics are made <laughs> up on the spot. 80,
1: 83 of them. 83%. <laughs> he actually averaged 44 in that test. He played all five test matches and he averaged 44, scored 350s, 350 runs. So he can play spin bowling. It's whether I mean, he was keeping, so he was probably batting down the order. Is this a bit of an attitude issue, do you think?
0: Look, I I don't I don't think it is. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Look, I, I really rate him and I I think if I look at where he's at in his career I, I just don't think he needs the hoop plot. You know, he he's number three now for me for, with the gloves for England and potentially even further down the order with someone like James Bracey being spoken of quite a lot. So you've got obviously Joss Butler, you've got um, Ben um, then you've probably got Bear stoke Realistically, there's going to have to be, um, you know, some serious injury or form issues for him to get his way back in. I think you know he's in his early you know early to mid thirties. Go and make some white ball coin, um, because he's a fantastic white ball cricketer. Look, uh, uh, last thing uh, maybe about England because I do want to pick up on some Indian stuff, and
2: and there are a lot of people we have to give a plug to there. But there's been a lot of chat and, um from the England camp around. We've got to learn from this experience, and we've got to you know we've got got to get better and stuff. How how what do you take from a series like this? I mean, looking at the batsmen around the room, you know what what do you actually take from a series where ball has just dominated bat so much?
3: I think you take that away. I think I think you take away that as as Australia did prior to their two thousand and one tour of India. I can't remember which one. the Hayden made five hundred runs. He got he got found out in India the previous series and he went away and went right I've been found out here I have to find a way to combat spin effectively he came up with the sweep shot which England didn't use effectively in this series particularly but they they did in the first test match in the first test match they did but in the the following three it hasn't been as effective as, as maybe other strategies but But that's what they've got to go away from and go, okay, I've got my ass handed to me here. In order to be a successful test cricketer, I'm going to have to bet well in the subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. I need to go and find a technique that works for me and have a look at the way that the Indian guys batted when they made runs, when Punt made runs, when when Rohit made runs, uh, when, when Ashwood made runs, when Sundar made runs. What did they do? How did they approach the game? And how can I model my technique against spin in India in those kind of environments?
0: I'm just going to say one thing, um, and it will be quick. And um, there's a big difference with the way that India played spin and the way that England played spin. And um, India were facing Jack Leach and Dominic Bess, and England were facing Axar Patel and Ravichan and Ashwin. Um, and with all due respect, Bess was bowling one full toss every one and a half overs, um, which gave you that, you know, gave you that release. And and Leach, as much as his record looks okay, he's an honest spinner. Um, so I think that there's a big difference. Yes, we can absolutely take some lessons from it. We can, um, but I think you've got to
3: really give credit to the way that those Indian spinners bowled. Oh, you have they to were and, absolutely super. And we're about to give a massive yeah. amount of credit all over the park here until after Raj's next point.
1: Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I, I don't want to talk too much about England because we we're gonna we have spoken to them about them a little bit. I want to talk about India because I think that there's some lessons that they can learn. Mm. People like Rahani and. Pujara, they're not under pressure for their spot in the side. But they Pujara has not been playing spin well for a while. Mm. When he went to Australia, he played it poorly. He didn't get out to it, but he mm. played it poorly.
3: Yeah, Nathan Lyon was dangerous to him.
1: He changed the way he he, he played it. He he. he used his front foot defence a lot better and he came down the wicket to it and he looked alright he didn't get the runs but he looked a lot better this this time round mm. Rahani needs to go back and have a look at what he's done to get him to this position he should not be playing that sweep shot he, he, he started playing that sweep shot after the first test yeah too and much he,
2: listening to the pod
1: mate he, he, he actually looked he, he looked really uncomfortable playing it Some, you look at someone like Virat Kohli he doesn't employ the sweep and he's the best batsman in the world you don't have to sweep in India if you, if you don't want to. And I think if they go back and look at how they have played in the past, mm. that's off the back foot when it's short and coming down when it's full. Mm. That that's where they will learn yep. from the series.
3: use of the feet looked like it was key in 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 that test series for for India and and also for Joe Root in that first innings where he where he made a double hundred. Let's start by by giving credit to the Indian spin bowlers and I'm looking at Stu here because we're we're about to go into this in, in some detail. <laughs> spin corner. I'm, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna open it up with a couple of stats and then we can talk emotively about how good these guys were. Four five for five wicket hauls on debut for Axar Patel. I don't think that's ever been done in the history of test cricket. Um, R Ashwin. 30 wickets in this series eighth man of the series award only Jacques Callis and Murali who have 9 and 11 respectively have more man of the series awards in the history of test cricket than R Ashwin right now so in terms of impacting series results R Ashwin right up there uh, he's took 400 wickets uh, in this in this series well he achieved the milestone of 400 <laughs> wickets certainly felt like that <laughs> felt like he took 400 in this series um, but as an Indian side now undefeated at home Uh, Since 2013 have only lost two out of their last 38 tests, including that loss uh, in the first test against England Um, and have never won a series at home when 1-0 down and now they have and they won 1-0 down against Australia as well. So um, monumental achievements for India from a statistical point of view Uh, in this series and the other one I just want to I don't know if we're going to touch on too much but Washington Sundar what a series what a 2020-2021 he has had that summer for him he's almost a must have now on that Indian side and how do you fit him uh, Jadesia, Axar Ashley? Well, yeah, not even not before no, you think. even get to Khalid. they got four, four quality all-rounders to fit into two spots kind of maximum, well, right? They
0: could play all the games in um, Ahmedabad and Chennai and play two-and-a-half-day <laughs> tests and do eight test series and give them each four games.
3: <laughs> moving, I mean, moving on. I mean, on a, but, on a, but on a serious note, though, like, those guys were excellent for India. When you're presented with home conditions, you expect your guys to do well, but they have like, not overachieved, but they have been incredible. Haven't they?
2: Oh, and look, I think Binksy touched on it there in terms of talking about Leach and Bess, and the difference was the difference was one the control in that they just didn't let they didn't let England away, they didn't give them those balls to to actually you know start freeing up and start getting into a rhythm as a batsman. They were at them all the time, and the other one was the variations and the mm. way that they kind of figured out. The ways to bowl, and they figured out their wicket balls. Someone like Ashwin used the crease so well, and you know, coming over, coming round. I, I, you know, as a spinner, generally an off spinner, I just hate when people go around the wicket. But what Ashwin did in this series is because it was spinning so big, he was able to go around the wicket and take both, make both edges and play. Yeah. And you know, he was bowling people. He was bowling people, like
3: outside the bat, outside and inside
2: the bat, yeah. and inside the bat, and it. It made such a huge difference, and I, I don't know. I mean, you've outlined all those stats. The the one thing I wouldn't pick up on is Exa. Yeah, is he? Can, he he can't. I don't think he can be in the World Test Championship lineup. You know, when they go through and pick their side for the the game against New Zealand at Lords in that final. I mean, how
3: how do you pick two spinners in, in that game? They probably well, won't. I think
2: they'll pick two spinners, but they'll have Judasia won't they? I mean, if Judasia's fit, I would have thought you have to
0: pick him, and then. Ex Patel, there's just no spot for him.
3: Or Sunda in that case. Well, look,
0: to, I guess to pick up a little bit on your point, your point, and um, if you look at this side and, and you look at the guys that haven't performed, so Rahani, Pajara, Kohli in this series as well, um, it reminds me a lot of that Australian side. Um, you, you're not going to have all six batsmen in form at the same time. You're not going to have all four bowlers in form at, at the same time these guys find a way of, you know, really, you know, covering for each other. And, you know, some of those late order runs, I mean, they really, really hurt us. England actually put themselves in a reasonable position in this test match, 160 for six or whatever it yep. was and couldn't finish off um, that innings. That they, they put themselves in a reasonable position at one point in the third test match as well. Um, but again, just couldn't really capitalize on that. And it was that uh, uh, Ashwin innings. It was that Pant and Sundar yep. um, sort of onslaught um, from a batting perspective that really, you know, bowed them out of the crowd. Crap a
3: little bit as well. That's the best six, seven, eight in world cricket for mine at the moment. And that in, that India six, seven, eight punt at six has been a revelation. He's been fantastic at six, and then you bring in Ashwin at seven or eight, and either Axar or Washington Sundar to, to go with that. That six, seven, and eight for India is devastating, and and New Zealand better be taking notice of it.
1: So Coley's actually done an interview about a lot of these questions that are asking. Uh, you know, Ravi Jadeja is is sort of the next person the he, he wants. He wants Ravi Jadeja. Ravi Jadeja in the side. Mm. Uh, just to pick up your point around, um, you know, not being able to play Aksar and, and Sundar, well, they, they can include people like Jasper Bumrah and Imrish mm-hmm. and Yadav and I
2: sh- know the Shami. The, the so depth is unreal, actually. that That's what they've done, right, in this last few months. Yeah. Depth.
1: But looking just at this series, I think that the key, and you mentioned it, and we came across in commentary, I think, from, from, from Swanee as well, was that, both sides of the bat were in play or both edges of the bat were in play. Mm-hmm. And that is the key because that straight ball that um Axar Patel was bowling around the wicket really, really it caused so much damage.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean obviously that helps when the other one is spinning miles. Yep. I mean that you know, because you do have to you do have to account for the ball that's turning and how how do you account I mean they often I, I do feel like often people say you just play for the straight one every ball, right? And then you're going to miss everything. But it just doesn't seem to work that way. Like, people people do fend for things. People do, it, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be an answer that anyone can employ effectively when the ball is turning that much.
0: Um, I'm, Look, I'm a bit punch drunk, to be honest, um, talking about all these, um, yeah, spinning wickets. Um, absolutely. I, I think the other thing, Rishabh Pant, um, as a keeper, we were sitting here, or standing here, what six weeks ago? Actually, genuinely b- debating whether Saha Saha would play. Mm, um, that he's definitely not going to be playing in that World <laughs> Test Championship. Yeah, yeah that um, comment hasn't aged well. But it has it, has it not really. aged well. Um, but, but specifically, how well he kept. Like yep, he, he really did one, great. He
3: really, really has turned himself into a, a pretty decent keeper. And he's put in the work. I mean, that that, that only comes with putting in work. You don't get better as a wicketkeeper standing up to spin in India without working hard. So you've got to give him a massive amount of credit. And he's in the box seat now for India for a long, long time to come in that number six spot.
1: To be fair, though, he did have a big series of 20 and unders for for a while there when when Pant was starting to cement himself on the side. Oh, look. Arashev Pant.
0: Absolutely, and look, I, I guess the only real problem for India is, you know, who, who bats at four in that World Test Championship. You know, um, the, the current incumbents had a really poor series. That's probably <laughs> the, the only thing that um, can stand in their way.
3: Where is the final? Is the final going to be at Lords? Well, Lock- that's the that's the plan. COVID yep. permitting, I yep. think. Lock Coley in for hundred at Lords. There's no way he goes to a final. I mean, I know he said, you know, we treat this like any other game. Finals aren't special, but he's going to get it on that honours board for sure.
2: I'm so gutted that there's. They should just play a time. I mean, I guess five days. Nobody tests don't need five days anymore. But I'm if if it, if it ends up being a draw, I think this is going to be really disappointing that we get all the way to this World
0: Test Championship and it's just. I don't know, two days of rain and, and, and Lords s- has been pretty flat as well, uh, in the last sort of ten years or so. So mm. that you know, there is a ch- there is a chance.
1: Isn't it on an
3: angle? Was the super test a six day test? Remember when we had the Australia versus the rest of the world? That was a that was a six day test, That's right? Should,
2: that, it should just be a timeless test, oh, right? It should just play and
3: yeah. Until there is a result. I'd be a fan of that. That'd be great. Well guys, that I
0: think wraps up the podcast, doesn't it? Raj, any more stats you want to bring our way before we before yeah, it we was close?
1: Three one. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that was the final That's score of that series. The most important. So, so, so how,
0: how have our predictions fared?
1: No one, I don't think, picked three one off the bat.
0: No, I was going with four nil, and it certainly feels like that. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I, th- I think
2: some of us mentioned, I think some of us mentioned three or four wins to n- India. So, should, yeah, mm. we, we haven't done too badly there. We were, look, we were certainly blushing after that first England,
0: England win. Yes, um, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was blushing, but yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, certainly got some hot flushes now. Um, Time to wrap up. It is absolutely time to wrap up. Well, look, um, I would say it's been a pleasure talking about this series. It absolutely hasn't, but I really enjoyed the first half of the podcast. (laughs) But look, guys, please do dip back into the back catalogue. We've talked a lot about the T20 cricket coming up. I think if you want a little um, extra episode, go and have a listen to Shane Bond because he talks really, really well about the IPL and T20 cricket um, in India. There's a host of other interviews um, in the feed as well that are pretty good listening. But look, for for now, it's good night. God bless from all of us here in Auckland. Um, Stay safe and we'll speak to you soon.